from the capital of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. But in the regular season, it's probably a moot point because Giannis has simply had more value than anyone else. I strongly disagree with the take that we shouldn't have a regular season MVP. First and foremost, you have to incentivize players for the 82 games, especially now in the era of load management. This is why you have player of the week, player of the month, and regular season MVP. And Giannis has been that from the beginning of the season. LeBron is closing ground. If there was only a finals MVP, Max, to your point about 50% of the teams making playoffs, say, for example, in the 80s when the Celtics won the championship. You remember when Corbett Maxwell was the finals MVP? You can't have him be the MVP. Jalen, that's a straw man argument. I'm not arguing finals MVP. There's no playoff MVP. Like, make if you want two separate. There is a playoff MVP. Finals MVP. Finals MVP. No, no, that's one series. What about all the other series? And what? All right, just so you're not confused, that opening soundbite is not about LeBron versus Giannis. Not at all. It's about the voices debating the conversation of LeBron and Giannis. And there are a couple of voices that you will no longer hear on ESPN Radio or ESPN TV after today's purging at ESPN Radio, included amongst those that were given their walking papers today, Max Kellerman and Jalen Rose. And look, it isn't often that we, the media, cover we, the media, but this has been such a big developing story all day. Not so much because of who they are, but because of who we are, the listening and watching public audience, because this will change how we get our sports information moving forward. Whether you like these people or don't like these people, you know they're on your TV screens, they're on your radio throughout the entire sports season. And today was a pretty depressing day for ESPN and all of these folks that will no longer be part of ESPN. Now, my guess is most of them will find their way elsewhere if they so desire. Some of them may not desire to do that. And all of them will be paid whatever's left on their contract. It'll be a bookkeeping exercise for the bean counters at ESPN in how it will actually save them money moving forward. And these people will be replaced by other people. You may not know their names yet. You may not know who they are. But eventually there will be new voices and there will be more talking heads on ESPN. But this was a tough one to swallow uh, today because this is the third round of cuts for ESPN. And the first two were mostly behind-the-scenes people, hardworking, important people, but names that didn't resonate with us today we're able to put names and faces with the people that were let go by ESPN. And look, this happens to businesses all across the country. I don't want to say every day, but it does happen. They just don't make headlines because most of them aren't within the public eye. But they certainly were today. And the names are pretty big. If you haven't seen the list yet, this is not even a full list, but it's a partial list. Jeff Van Gundy. NBA analyst, Max Kellerman, Keyshawn Johnson, 
they were part of the morning show that we already knew was being terminated by ESPN. Susie Kolber um, did a lot of NFL hosting, obviously. As you know, Jalen Rose was also on that list, who's been been laid off by ESPN. Um, Matt Hasselback from NFL Countdown. Um, our guy, Todd McShay, uh, Richmond guy. In fact, I was just going back and watching a little bit of his draft analysis from this most recent draft. And the best thing for me as a spider guy in watching Todd McShay, who we've had on this program before and we've interacted with, is whenever he does that live shot from home, he's got that spider helmet right over his left shoulder. Um, So the Richmond Spiders are proudly displayed, so we'll miss that as well. LaFonzo Ellis, who I think is excellent and one of the super-duper nice guys. He had done some college basketball analyst work uh, from time to time and had found his way to Richmond games once in a while, so kind of got to talk to him a little bit. Ashley Brewer, Sports Center anchor. Uh, Jordan Cornett, another Sports Center anchor. Jason Fitz, radio host, right, um, who we've heard on this radio station over and over again, not only with his program, but he has been a regular guest on this show. Um, June Lee, who was a really good baseball writer, um, also uh, was was put on layoff, I guess they're calling it, at ESPN. I don't know if any of them will find their way back to ESPN, but I would think that most of them would find their way somewhere else. So, again, I just wanted to start with that this afternoon. Like I said, we don't usually have the media covering the media, but I think this one was a little bit different today because so many of us digest our sports information and our sports entertainment from um, a lot of these people. So things are going to be different moving forward at the network, at at ESPN Radio and at ESPN Television moving forward. And we'll see what ESPN, how it kind of frames itself moving forward. There's bigger changes afoot at ESPN. Many of the changes we probably won't even know about um, and their whole relationship with Disney and becoming their own entity and when they will become a direct-to-consumer platform, meaning you would just have to pay for ESPN and you get a part of your streaming service, and that's it. So all these changes are certainly in the wind. But, um, yeah, that is, that's quite a list there. And, the, and while we're – what's that, AJ? I was going to say, uh, no shout-out to, to the home team here, but I, I don't understand some of those. Some of, I, I would almost want to take half those people and start a whole network, and I think yeah. we'd kill. Uh, how you lose Jalen Rose and Steve Young, who are not only entertaining, informative, smart, no play-by-play of actually experience, but all the players talk to them. I, You're not going to get inside access like you can with Rose and Young. Well, that's a great point, the inside access that those guys, I would probably throw Matt Hasselbeck in there as well. Yeah. I think he's really well-respected, and people pick up the phone when he calls as well. I think that's a really great point, that whoever replaces them, there's going to be a transition period where they're not going to have that kind of access because they're not well-known enough yet. So that That's a really good point. From a journalistic standpoint, we can be losing some of the meat and potatoes um, that we get. ESPN gets criticized all the time for what has become, you know, kind of theatrics, the fluff, the 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 tinsel and glitz and all of that um, that it has become in many, many ways. But you're absolutely right. That's a great point is the sources, the resources uh, that these people have, particularly those that are former players that can talk to current players and coaches and general managers and get all that information. It's going to be different. 
moving forward. And, AJ, I was thinking about this. I, I think we'd have a little fun with this. I'm not going to go over. we only got a couple minutes here because we got a couple guests lined up real quick, and then we'll get back to all this um, on the other side of that. In fact, I'm, I'm going to hold off so that we don't we don't spill over here on the opening segment. And uh, Don't worry, Bob. I'm not getting fired. You're, <laughs> uh, don't answer your phone today. I haven't been answering mine. I can tell you. Look, I don't mean to, I'm not going to make a joke about this because I have been there and done that. You know, they always say that you're not in this business until you've been fired in this business. So I'm very definitely in this business. I don't know about you, but I'm very definitely already in this business from years and years and years ago. So I am certainly not going to make a joke about it. I talked to somebody today who used to work at ESPN and had been there in the older days of layoffs and terminations when they happened in person and they happened in the newsroom and they brought them into a conference room. And you kind of knew if you got called into that conference room, you weren't coming out and still having a job so you know it was a little different today because all of this probably happened remotely but it still hit really hard to all the folks at uh, at ESPN I got a little I do have a little bit of a fun exercise that I want to play with this a little bit later in the show but I'll, we'll I'll hold it off yeah no I'll hold it off for now okay we'll do it do it a little bit later uh, after we get through our guests and while we're talking media and personnel uh, shout out to our guy Sean Robertson who filled in more than capably for me yesterday on this program while I was out and he hosted himself uh, the feel-good Thursday edition of the Sports Huddle. Uh, I guess, AJ, I wouldn't say totally by himself, right? Because you had a long lineup of great guests that he had yesterday. But but he did a great job with you yesterday. Thanks for thanks for guiding him through that. We literally, so, it, you know, I don't know how many shows he did by himself before me, but I was prepared for, you know, Rust. He killed it. Lewis killed it. Darren killed it. The other guests killed it. I was way off yesterday. Everybody else was awesome, though. Oh, you always say that. I'm sure your usual A-plus self. I got the star <laughs> of the U.S. League One. Uh, I got his name wrong. I got, I got the, <laughs> it was bad. My text blew up so much that my phone died. Oh, oh, my goodness. I'm sure Sean was able to smooth it out and handle it. He's, he's the consummate veteran professional. That Sean Roberts. He was great. He brought a lot of movie flair to the show Ooh, yesterday. I so like I it. think Sean came in like, I'm going to play to AJ's strengths. Good for him. Good for him. Well, well done by both of you. And again, thanks to Sean for doing that. Love when we can stay local, even when one of our local voices isn't here. Try to do more of that as we move along. But yesterday was a, a good step in the right direction. All right, here's where we're headed on this afternoon sports huddle. Here's what's coming up on today's sports huddle. This is a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown. Which is brought to you by our friends at the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. We urge you to support the local RVA community by volunteering your services or donating blood to the Red Cross. To learn how you can help during this critical time, visit redcross.org. Uh, we got back-to-back guests coming up here in the 4 o'clock hour, and then we're going to be wide open after that. Barry Sverluga from the Washington Post is going to join us here in just a few minutes. He's had a couple of interesting columns on the Nationals and on Major League Baseball and a couple other things this week. We tried to get him a little earlier in the week and couldn't quite juggle schedules. So Barry Sverluga is going to join us here in just a couple of minutes from the Washington Post and we'll talk on a myriad of topics. 4.30. Really excited about this because I haven't had an opportunity yet to meet the young
young man, but he is one of Richmond basketball's new incoming transfers. He's guard Jordan King, who comes to the Spiders by way of East Tennessee State. Before that, he started his collegiate career at Siena and is a grad student. He's finishing up at the University of Richmond this year. One of the new faces that you will see on the Robbins Center Court when the Spiders get going this year. Jordan King going to join us at 4.30. We'll introduce him to you this afternoon. And then, as I said, we're wide open after that. We'll interact. We'll do some things. We'll get you into the holiday weekend. And a reminder, after today, we're done until Wednesday. We're going to take a long weekend to include Monday, the 3rd of July, and, of course, Tuesday, the 4th of July as well. All right, let's get a break in here. We'll come back on the other side. Barry Sverluga from the Washington Post joins us next on the Sports Huddle. The boys of summer are doing their thing in the ATL. One of the most exciting seasons ever. Stay on top of every Braves game here on 1061 ESPN Richmond. Well, I don't know if I'd call it a big series because of the big lead that the Atlanta Braves have in the uh, National League East. Uh, with a six-game lead on the Marlins and 10 on Philadelphia. Really, the only way you can make up ground on the Braves is when the Braves are forced to take a day off these days, which is what happened yesterday. They didn't play, and Miami and Philly both played and both won, so they picked up a half a game. If we could keep doing it that way, we'd have a competitive National League East. But for now, that's not going to happen, and the Braves are back in business tonight, and they are playing those Miami Marlins. That's a home game for Atlanta 720 tonight. Interesting enough, Michael Soroka is coming back from IL and a rehab assignment, and he'll be on the mound. He takes the baseball tonight for the Braves, and if they can get him healthy, they're even going to be more dominant than they already are. They won five in a row and nine out of ten. They are 27 and 15 at home, and the Marlins are coming to town tonight at 720. 705 is our airtime here on 1061. ESPN for Braves and Marlins. And like I said, I don't know if you can call it a big, big series because it is a six-game lead for Atlanta in the National League East, but it is the top two teams in that division. More importantly for Miami, they want to stay as far ahead of Philadelphia as they possibly can. The Phils get the Nationals this weekend in Philadelphia, three-game series that starts tonight. And lo and behold, both teams are kind of hot. I mean, the Phillies very definitely are. They've won nine in a row on the road, just swept the Cubs in Chicago. They're up to six games over five they They're playing their best baseball of the season. They're going to be sad to see the month of June end, just as Miami and Atlanta will be as well. But Philly gets a uh, Washington national team that all of a sudden – has become a little bit competitive again. Look, they're not going anywhere. They're staying in last place unless the New York Mets just absolutely continue to implode, which I guess is possible. But, the you know, the Nats are still 16 games under 500. I get all of that. But they did win back-to-back series on the road against quality opponents, really, uh, who are struggling, San Diego being one of them. And uh, the other being the uh, being the Mariners. So give them some credit coming in to Philadelphia. We'll see three game series. They have won back to back road series, and I give them all the credit in the world uh, for that. The Washington Nationals. Now we'll see what happens when the Phillies are at home tonight. And as I said, they're hot. They've won four in a row and seven out of ten, and they close out the month of June at home tonight. So again, we have Braves baseball on our airwaves this evening, beginning at seven. 
1205. All right, I think we had a little bit of a disconnect with um, Barry's for Luga, and he won't be able to make it with us today, but we'll try and reschedule him for next week. I will tell you the main reason I wanted to have him on uh, this afternoon. He had a column. Let me go back because I pulled it up in the Washington Post. Um, I guess it was just two days ago or so in which he thinks Major League Baseball does need to go to the automated strike zone in some way, shape, or form, that he feels all of the rules this year and even beyond this year, dating back to, like, replay, have been a huge success, and it's time to take the gray area out of balls and strikes, to whatever degree that will be, whether it's going to be robotic balls and strikes or more likely what will eventually come is the challenge system, like you have with replay in the NFL and the NBA and in Major League Baseball. And you'll do it quickly, and either the hitter or the catcher, you're going to get whatever the number is, two or three challenges per game on a ball or strike. And if you get it right, you keep your challenge. If you don't, you lose it, which adds a decent amount of strategy to it. Are you really going to challenge something in the first inning of a game on a borderline pitch as opposed to waiting until the seventh or eighth inning. So the umpires are still going to have an awful lot of say over the calls. I could kind of live with that. I would not want to go any further than that on balls and strikes because I do like the idea that it's up to human judgment, particularly in situations that calls for it. In a 17-3 to game in the top of the ninth inning, I don't want the computer telling me that a pitch an inch off of the corner is a ball. We're calling that a strike. We're getting the game over with. Everybody's going to agree on that. Maybe the hitter is going to chirp a little bit because his batting average might go down a point or two if it's a third strike uh, or if it's raining and we got to get through an inning. You know, we need the human element in this thing. Um, so I really did want to dive into that with him and see where he stood on that. If he felt it should be, you know, kind of like tennis, which now has the eye in the sky, you know, and um, and calls almost everything on the lines. So uh, you know, I'm I'm eh, I'm not for that for balls and strikes, not at all. I get it in tennis, I really do, but I don't want that in baseball because I do think there's that human element and those gray area situations. And look, there there are Hall of Fame pitchers who made their careers because they were so good at putting pitchers and catchers who frame pitches so well that they help their team wins game. I mean, the, the classic examples are Glavin and Maddox from the Atlanta Braves. How many times you see them get strike calls on pitches that were two, three inches off the plate because they consistently put them there, and they look like strikes, and, and I'm okay with that. The one thing that Barry did say in his column that I was really going to kind of joke with him a little bit, and you know I've talked about this before because he said in his column, and I quote, the next person I meet who doesn't like the pitch clock that debuted this season will be the first. Well, I'm going to be the first because I really don't like the pitch clock. I mean, I'm glad we've sped up the game a little bit, but I think we've sped it up too much. We've done it artificially. I think there are times during the game beyond the one timeout that the batter gets that it calls for that dramatic moment, for that pregnant pause to happen. And I just think we're going too fast. The game I mean, I don't really want to see a two hour major league baseball game, but I I, I I do want it to pick up its pace. 
maybe to 245 would be the optimum time for a game. But I just think there are times when it needs to slow down a little bit. I guess that's an old-fashioned take. I do agree something needed to be done, but I, I kind of think it's it's going too fast, and I think it's affecting the players, particularly the hitters. I don't have the data on this. I don't have the analytics on this, but I think there's been way more first ball swinging by hitters this year because they just don't want to deal with the time, with the with the pitch clock, with being ready by eight seconds, you know, by, by constantly being forced to be in the box. So they are going after that first pitch. And, I mean, innings are flying by. Pitchers are getting five and six pitch innings because of that. And that, I don't know. I just think we're, we're it's becoming artificial in, in baseball. So I do think it did need to get improved. I would almost vote for just 20 seconds no matter what whether there's anybody on base or not on base. Pitches are important with no runners on base, just as they are with runners on base. So I think I would rather it be 20 all the way through, and maybe even a little longer between batters, um, just just to give everybody a chance to breathe a little bit. Uh, we'll see at the end of the year what, what comes of it. I'm still as much of a baseball fan as I ever was, uh, but I would like to tell Barry that he will now met somebody who really doesn't like the pitch clock i wish the players could have policed this on their own rather than um having major league baseball orchestrate guidelines and rules along the way um and just just to prove again that i'm realistic here and i'm not just like being the old guy who doesn't want change or anything i've said this before i originally was not in favor of the mandate against shifts but i am now i do think that has helped the game that we have eliminated the dramatic, exaggerated shifts. You can still shift. We're still seeing shortstops or second basemen right behind second base and and that sort of thing. But you just can't have the exaggerated shift anymore. I do think that is good for the game. I think it creates more action and more excitement and more athleticism amongst the players. So I'm not I'm not heart and soul into all of this not changing. Uh, because I even surprised myself on that one, that having watched games, I'm really glad we don't see those shifts anymore. And if the players and managers weren't going to do it, then somebody needed to do that um, for them. So anyway, we'll get Barry back at some time. But I'm one of those guys that I think uh, I'm not not a huge fan of the pitch clock. I don't like what it's done um, to fabricate stolen bases also. And I know you know, like Ronald Acuna, he's going to break all sorts of records this year. But with only two disengagements by pitchers, only two opportunities to throw to first before it becomes a real gamble if they try it a third time. I mean, the base runners have huge advantages. They should be stealing all these bases. They have such an – and then the bases are bigger on top of that. That's a, that's a non-starter. I mean, I don't care about the bases being three inches bigger. It, maybe it's helped them. Maybe it hasn't. Um, but, again, all of that has kind of fabricated some of these records and guys that are stealing bases at a record clip – I still don't think they're going to catch the all-time base-stealing threats like Ricky Anderson and Lou Brock and guys like that. But, um, again, I just think it's, it's fabricated it a little bit. Anyway, hopefully we'll get Barry back on next week. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Washington Nationals to become a little bit more competitive, um, all of that. He's a great guest for us. Just couldn't get him today, and we'll try and get him 
in the future, obviously, with the 4th of July holiday. Uh, we'll work on it after we get back middle of next week. All right, let's get the break in here at 427. That happens in live radio, and we plow through it, and we move along. And as I said, really excited for our next guest, who I'm sure is going to dial in and is going to join us, Jordan King, new member of the Richmond basketball team, Spider graduate guard, coming by way of East Tennessee State, and before that, started his career at Siena, and now he's a Richmond Spider, and he joins us next on the Sports Atlanta's best are on the diamond, and we've got the action live. Every Atlanta Braves broadcast is here on your home for the Atlanta Braves. 1061 ESPN Richmond. You. Welcome back. Bob Black back with you. Sports Huddle just past the bottom of the 4 o'clock hour on a Friday afternoon. Getting into the weekend, not just the weekend, but the holiday weekend as well. And we thank you for locking in with us, 1061 ESPN. We take you up until 6 o'clock this evening. Well, earlier this week, the Atlantic 10 announced the pairings for conference play. And we were rattling them off earlier this week. And I mentioned at the end of that, kind of got me stoked, kind of got me excited for college basketball, even though we're still several months away from that. But just to kind of see the matchups and all of that, Got me kind of going a little bit, and I thought, you know, now would be a good time through the summer weeks and months to start introducing all of you to some of the guys that we're going to be talking about come college basketball season. We're going to start that this afternoon. It'll be the first of several conversations, I'm sure, that we'll have with some of the new faces. The Richmond Spiders welcome Jordan King to their roster. He's a grad transfer by way of East Tennessee State the past couple of years. Before that, a couple of years at Siena, and he's finishing up his collegiate career now with the Richmond Spiders, and he joins us this afternoon. Jordan, good afternoon. Thank you for spending some time with us. How are you? And uh, at least on the radio, welcome to Richmond. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Doing great. Uh, why Richmond would be my first question to you. I gave our audience your background a couple of years at Siena. You're from the from that area, then off to East Tennessee State. And you had yep. one year to go wherever you kind of wanted. Why the Richmond Spiders? Uh, Richmond just felt like a, a home away from home. You know, when I came on my visit, uh, the coaching staff was very welcoming Uh the players here were very welcoming. Everyone was, you know, really nice. And, you know, I just thought this would be the best place for me to finish off my college career. How about the style of play that I know you're starting to embrace and learn, and you guys are on the court pretty much every day now in the summer. What do you kind of make of the style of play of Richmond basketball and how you fit in with that, Jordan? Um, the style of play is something different. You know, I've never played in the Princeton offense before, but, you know, I'm definitely learning it. Uh, it's, it's been nice. Uh, you know, I just I just really like it because I think it gives everyone a chance to, you know, touch the ball and, and you know, get opportunities to score. And it's not the offense doesn't just go through one person. And I, so, I think it fits, fits me very well because we have a lot of space on the floor. I'll be able to drive and kick to the teammates to get open shots and, you know, also hopefully knock down some threes. So you have been a scorer, and the Spiders certainly need that. Uh, I averaged about 16 points a game last year, but you're also a distributor, over three assists per game. Uh, so, And you talked about your three-point shooting as well. How would you kind of describe your overall game? For Spider fans that are listening to our conversation and will be in the Robin Center, what kind of player are they going to see? 
Um, you know, someone that just gives off a lot of energy. You know, I like to play with energy. I think energy is the best way to get wins, you know. And if I could just give my teammates energy to, you know, play at another at another level, I think that, you know, it would be good for all of us, you know, to go out there and get some big-time wins this year. Jordan, you know, there are times when Coach Mooney's, you know, quote-unquote system is positionless basketball i mean i think on the floor you can kind of see who's who's doing what but but there is something to that to positionless basketball how much of this do you feel you will be a point guard how much of this could you be a shooting or scoring guard in the offensive flow for the spiders i think i could play one through five in this offense you know like (laughs) like you said it's really positionless you know we have uh guys who can handle the ball we have guys who can score you know everyone is playing well together um you know and and we have big neil who's also returning and you know i've seen him this summer bring the ball up the court a couple times so he he might play the one and i might play the five so you really never know in this offense but i think it's really good for all of us well we're probably going to let him jump center at the beginning of the game, but I did watch some of you. I did watch some of your highlights, Jordan. And at six foot, I did see you dunk the ball. So you probably could play the five position when called upon as well. It's a great, great attitude and and, and great stuff. Um, yes, sir. T- take us back to the beginning of your collegiate career. Uh, you started out at Siena, who the Spiders will play this year, by the way. I know you're aware of that, and spent yes. your first couple of years there. But you started out as a walk-on, didn't you? Yes, I did. I walked on uh, my freshman year at Siena. Uh, you know, I didn't really have much recruitment going on in high school, just a couple of uh, Division three schools around my area. So I just took the chance to walk on at Siena uh, to bet on myself. And, you know, the guys that I had at Siena really helped me learn the game of basketball more than, you know, than I did at that time. And, you know, I just felt like I became more comfortable with the game and over time just got better and, uh, you know, and now I'm here at Richmond. And, you know, four years ago, I don't think I would even believe that I would be in this position. But, uh, you know, I'm really happy to be here. Um, and I, I just, you know, I can't wait for the season to start. What's it going to be like when they come to the Robin Center? I'm guessing there aren't too many people left because, that, as you said, it was, what, four years ago or so. But you will be facing that, that team, that, that uniform jersey is going to be Siena and yours is going to say Richmond. Yeah, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot of fun, you know, just to see the program that I started at. Uh, the coach there, Coach Carm, you know, me and him have much respect for each other. Uh, you know, I think he's a great dude. So, you know, I'll definitely see him before the game and, you know, wish him luck. And uh, I just think it's going to be a great opportunity for, you know, me to go out there and compete. Uh, mentioned you are from that area, from up from up, uh, Albany, New York. Um, why the move then to to East Tennessee? Obviously, two different necks of the woods, right there. Did you need to get away from home, or or what was kind of the reasoning why you went to East Tennessee State? Yeah, it was more of a just get away from home. You know, I've been in Albany for my whole life for twenty years. It was at Siena, and then uh, you know I just thought like I talked to my family, and I just thought you know maybe it's time for a change and. You know, I was happy with my change to go to ETSU for the past two years, and, you know, I just kind of just needed that time away from home a little bit. 
Catching up with Jordan King, one of the new uh, members of the Richmond Spiders, transfer, as we said, from Siena and then East Tennessee State. What's the process been like, Jordan, now in college basketball, of, as you alluded to this earlier, getting to know your teammates both on and off the court? Some returning guys coming back for Richmond, some of whom were transfers as well, right. and new transfers coming in. How have you guys kind of gone about meshing together on and off the court? Uh, you know, the guys are great. You know, we're all good to each other. We're all looking out for each other. You know, hanging out off the court is definitely the biggest thing that we do. I just feel like we're always together. Um, but we just gel well. And once we get on the court, we know it's all business. And, you know, we're a family. And, uh, you know, we just play hard together. And we're going to hold each other accountable so that, you know, we can have the best season possible. Yeah, this is uh, this is it. This is the last last go around, I think. Even with all of the ways you can get an extra year, I think this yeah. is this is good. Yeah, this, this is going to wrap it up. The, yeah. this is definitely the last go around. <laughs> so, so how are you approaching that? Have you thought about that yet? And obviously, we're not rushing it along. We want this to be a long, really successful year. But but knowing that you know you you are doing this for the last time. Yeah, no, it, you know, it's really exciting. You know, I'm, I'm grateful to even be in college basketball. I, I never thought I'd be here, so I'm just enjoying it. Uh, happy to be at Richmond, um, you know, but not going to put too much pressure on myself. I'm just going to go out there and, and try to play my game and try to get some wins. The backcourt for Richmond, obviously wide open with the losses that the Spiders had. How much did you kind of look at that, and how much do you feel about that right now with the fellow guards that came into the program, both transfers and freshmen, and getting quickly up to speed because you guys are going to eat a lot of minutes up in that backcourt? Yeah, no, I definitely looked into that. Uh, but it was more of a, you know, a relationship with Coach Mooney when I was making my decision, and I just thought that, you know, he uh, he presented himself well and the school well when I was getting, going through the recruitment process. So, you know, that's why I picked Richmond. And, you know, it's definitely going to take a lot to learn about the offense and all of that. But I think we have well-committed guys who just want to win and just want to play together. So I think it's going to be a nice, easy process for us. Finishing up with uh, Jordan King, transfer for the Richmond Spiders coming up this year. Uh, how much did you know about the Atlantic 10? What, what do you think of that? And you're, obviously you're going to be going to new places, new teams, new rivalries here for for you as you go through the season. Yeah, I don't know much about the Atlantic 10. I just know that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great league. There's a lot of great players in this league and a lot of, you know, past players who played in this league, especially at Richmond. Um, but, you know, I'm really excited for the experience. Uh, I got some games close to home so my family can come down and see mm -hmm. for a little bit. And, you know, I think that's what I'm most excited about is just to have my family at the games. And and I know you know the uh, the history of the smaller guards at Richmond that goes back pretty much to the beginning of Coach Mooney's tenure within a couple of years of that. Right. Um, how many of those guys have you even talked with and how much did the Spider coaches show you and talk to you about what previous guards like yourself have done here at Richmond? Yeah, they showed me a, a lot about the previous guards in the uh, program when I was getting recruited. And you know, I haven't uh, connected with any of them yet. Uh, uh, Jacob actually tweeted at me when I committed, so that was actually pretty special to see that. Uh, but like I said, I'm just grateful to be here. I'm happy to be here. Um, I just think it's going to be a great year. Well, Jacob's pretty good at that. We've learned that over the years, and you will connect well with him. I can pretty much promise you that. I mean, uh, you've got to be appreciative. He's a, he's a legend here, so I was definitely appreciative of the tweet. 
Yeah, absolutely. You will have a great connection with him, I'm absolutely sure, and with the rest of us as well. I think you're really going to enjoy the year here, and I know we're going to enjoy getting to know you and and watching you play. Uh, Appreciate the time today. What's next for you, by the way? I know you got a little bit of time off here, right, over the holiday, and then you guys back at it hard after that? Yes, sir. Uh, I'm going to go home, spend some time with the family for Fourth of July, you know, get some good food, nice little (laughs) cookout, and uh, just enjoy my time off uh, because, you know, you definitely need to do that as well as play basketball. Absolutely. We'll look forward to catching up with you when you get back from that and getting into the season. First of many conversations with Spider Guard Jordan King. Jordan, thanks so much for the visit this afternoon. Thank you for having me. All right. Jordan King, Richmond Spider transfer from East Tennessee State. He was an All-Southern Conference performer uh, each of the two years that he was at East Tennessee State and a workhorse. I mean, he played in all their games, started all but a couple of them, uh, 16 points a game last season, uh, played about 36 minutes a game, uh, top 10 in assists. Yeah, it sounds like the Richmond guards of the past. I do think it's going to be really interesting. I have not had a chance uh, to watch them work out yet, um, but I have heard from talking to people uh, he, he is a point guard by nature, but he might wind up at kind of the two guard position, you know, kind of a point guard in a, or a two guard in a point guard's body, that kind of thing, because he's a prolific scorer. He can also distribute the ball. The Spiders have a couple of other point guards that I know they're going to be bringing along, freshmen and transfers as well. So I think it's going to be really fascinating to see not only who plays the minutes, but how they play the minutes in the backcourt for the Spiders. Again, something to get me excited about moving forward to college basketball already with um, a little bit of the schedule info coming out earlier this year, earlier this week, and then uh, having a conversation there with, with, uh, with Jordan. And as we said, the Spiders do play Siena. It is one of their non-conference games uh, this season. So uh, that'll be cool for him. I, I really think uh, he will enjoy that. As we said, there aren't too many of those guys that are still – around probably and i'm just kind of looking to see uh the date of that game i know it's really early in the year yeah november 11th so probably the spider's second game of the season richmond opens at home against vmi on november 6th and then november 11th they get sienna both games at the robin center so that'd be a cool start uh for him all right 445 on the sports huddle quarter of five let's take a timeout come back on the other side espn sports center update at the top of the hour we'll get you to five o'clock right after we come back from the break it's the sports huddle 1061 espn